Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. I'm going to continue in that same vein on clarity of the family. If you're happy about it, let me hear something. I'm going to try to wrap it up tonight, if not tonight, perhaps the next service. It's amazing the different response, the wonderful responses we've gotten over these, uh, this, these, these lessons. And I'm certainly not finished, but uh, I just don't want to wear you out with one subject. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get it twisted like that's the only thing I can teach. I do want to, uh, to your new team that you put together, sweetheart, I, I do want, I, I want uh, at least four copies of this series because I have a few people on the East Coast who are in a major, major crisis. And I believe once they listen to this lesson, I believe they'll, 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 uh, it'll save their marriage. Amen? And I want, I want to sow that seed into... Uh, into the keeping of their, of their union. A healthy relationship, we're, we're teaching now. Help me, ushers, please. I'm teaching now. A healthy relationship takes commitment. It takes hard work. It, are, are we all together? A healthy relationship takes commitment. It takes hard work today. And today is different than it was in the past, mainly because of social media. And social media could be good, come on, say amen, and, and it could be bad. Would you agree with that? Uh, social media could be good and bad. Uh, one of the things about social media, it has shifted the paradigm on finding a mate. It has shifted the paradigm on finding the mate. Now, I don't want anybody to get offended because you might find your lover, you know, on, on Facebook. But not long ago, you couldn't find, you know, brother couldn't find you on Facebook. He had to go out and physically, literally find you. They don't get mad now. But, but social media technology has shifted the paradigm on finding a mate. So potentially, you can co communicate or date because of social media and technology. Potentially, you can communicate or date far more many women or men at the same time than you could years ago. Are, are you all listening to me? I mean, you, you, can, you can date, literally be dating 20 or 30 women or men at the same time on, on social media. All you have to do is ditto whatever you said to the last lady you talked to and pop it up on her screen. As a matter of fact, you just push copy and send it to all of them. And so you got a woman in every state strung out on you. 
or on every side of town. You all are looking at me funny. But all of these things puts a strain on relationships. Now, I mentioned dating, didn't I? But, but you can be married and engage in this. Ooh, God. Just because somebody found you on, on, on Facebook doesn't mean they stop searching on Facebook after they get you. They found you. So all I'm saying with this modern technology, it has a lot of good features to it, but it also can be used in a very negative way. So potentially you can hurt far more many people today. You can scar far more many women and men's lives today because of technology. Ooh, Jesus. Let let me finish what what I wrote here. Because of social media, which can lead to major, say major, it can lead to major confusion in finding the right person. Because you, you got all these hits. And you're looking for the right one. What you're really looking for is a perfect one. And there is not a perfect person. Are you listening to me? Not only that, on social media, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know who face that is. Uh, They have a way now that uh, when they put themselves out there on Facebook, I forget the the, uh, technical term. It's it's another word they have where when they they present themselves, they they digitally uh, uh, alter uh, their, their appearance. Yeah, photo, fo- that's it. What is it? Photoshop. So you all enamored over a Photoshop. Whatever, y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> Amen. You understand what I'm saying? So, so you're all enamored over that face. With, with, that's perfect. You don't see the zits. You don't see all the moles. It's all covered up digitally. And you think you're, you're getting something perfect. Hair always in place. That, that's why dating is so bad. Because when you're dating, you, you usually let them know when you're coming over. Come on now. Come on, say, call me before you come. <laughs> There's a reason why, brother, she need to know before you come. You see? But all this stuff can breed confusion in a relationship. Because in the relationship, when you're dating, every time you see her, every time you see him, you think that's the way they're going to look when you get married. 
And then sometimes you don't know what's real. You don't know what it is about them that's real and what's an add-on or an extension. Come on now. And so you're all enamored over a certain physical part of the anatomy of her or him and get married and discover it's an extension. What you fell in love with is on the dresser. And you're talking about what is that? And she's talking about close your eyes. Don't be looking over there. So I'm not trying to be facetious or funny because marriage relationship is serious business. And there's been so many casualties is because we don't go about it correctly. And we don't go about it correctly because we don't know what we're doing. And the reason we don't know what we're doing, we've never been taught. By and large, we've been taught how to trap a person. By and large, we have been directly or indirectly taught by your mama, your daddy, the beauty shop, the barber shop, and the other shop how to trap a person or better said, how to catch somebody. And it's a dangerous thing when you trap somebody. Because once they discover after a year or two or a little longer, a little less, once they discover you trapped them. Somebody say, man, don't leave me hanging. Once, and they will eventually discover that you were smothering them because you were trapping them. Ooh, Jesus, this, this, let, 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 let's move on. Let's move on. S- say this with me. Clarity of family. Say, say this with me. Men and women are not equal. They're not equal. It is breeding confusion in our society. Because women are saying today, out of this women's live movement, I'm I'm equal with a man. You are not equal with a man. You are not equal because God didn't make you equal. Jesus. So there's nothing you can do, brothers or sisters, to make yourself equal with your spouse of the opposite sex. The reason you can't be equal is God didn't make you equal. He made you different. Which just simply means he cannot be you and you cannot be him. 
And when we come together in agreement and everybody is willing to play their role like God created them, then we got something. I said we got something. But when you got a woman trying to be the man and the man trying to be the woman, Ooh, Jesus. Fighting for equality. Then we're out of order. This, this is good teaching. So we're different. Now, now, particularly you singles, understand this. You can, you can potentially um, marry a man or a woman and have the same value. So you can marry a man or a woman and have the same values. But your challenge will come, even though you married a man, he's a Christian, et cetera, et cetera. You, you share the same values, but your values are not necessarily the same in terms of priority. Now, we have children in here. I saw a few of them come in, so I have to temper down what, what I want to say. So when, when a man and a woman decide to get, the mar- to, to, to get married, they have the same value about intimacy. Do you understand that? Yeah. Do, do you, you adults understand that? Yeah. I, they don't have a problem with intimacy. They share that same value. That intimacy is good in marriage. I can't get a witness. Yeah? We, any married folk, you share the same value? But your conflict becomes the priority may be different with him than it is her in terms of frequency. You both share the same value that intimacy is good in the marriage union. But your challenge is how often. I can't do some things. Are you all with me? So it can create major conflict. I believe that intimacy is valuable, valuable in a marriage. But I don't believe that intimacy has to happen, you know, every day. Or every week. Clearly, I'm not getting agreement here. <laughs> Somebody said, mm. <laughs> Just messing up my lesson. <laughs> Let's see if I can find some agreement here. So, so are you, you're, now we're laughing, and it's good. But, but for those of us who are married, we understand this is a serious subject that can cause major chaos. We share the same value about the importance of it, but we're falling out on the frequency of it. So you can get married and have the same value. Yes? But the problem can 
can manifest because of your priorities of the values. We have the same values, but on this particular value that we share the same, it's number one with me. It's number 18 with you. Problem. And so we can, we can put all kind of variables, you know, I, I, I can, I can, we can remove intimacy and we can, we can say other things. You know, we, we all agree that the house needs to be clean. We both want to live in a clean house. We, we both value that. Half of you. <laughs> okay. We value a clean house. Yes? But we may, we may have a difference of priorities on the house because I, I enjoy a clean house, but I'm not interested in cleaning it every other day or every week. And, and I can tolerate in between to where you want to clean the house every day. Well, let me bring this closer to home. Uh, my wife does not like dishes in the sink when she go to, she don't even like them in the sink. She just doesn't like dirty dishes in the sink. And, and I'm okay, and, and I don't like dirty dishes in the sink. Are, are, you, so she don't like dirty dishes in the sink? I don't. So you think we're on the same page. Though we agree we don't like dirty dishes in the sink, we're going to fall out because she doesn't like them in there at any time. And I'm okay doing them at the end of the day. I just don't see why we have to clean them when we're not through dirtying them. <laughs> now, married folk, they laugh, but married folk know what I'm talking about because this can jack your house up. You'd be amazed what married folk can fall out over. Stuff that don't even really matter and then go to divorce, divorce court over it. If they don't come to Harvest Church, let me teach them. So dirty dishes in the sink, it agitates her. And I don't see the problem. Because in my mind, I'm, we're going to get it before the, before, the night, before, we, before the day's over. But she doesn't want to walk around in the kitchen and there's dirty dishes in the sink. So sometimes she'll leave and, and there's something in the sink and she'll come back and it's still there with a couple of other things. And, and she'll say, what, the dish is still in the sink. And that wasn't there when I left. Well, in my foolish days, I'd have messed my marriage up. Now I learned how to shut up. Because she doesn't, she's not saying that for me to respond. She's saying that because women need to express themselves. 
And then I don't move. And I look up, and then she's over there. I said, I got, no, I'm already here. Now, in my young foolish days, early in the marriage, I'd have tore the house up. I said, I got it. Well, if you said you had it, you'd have got it before I got here. Well, I wasn't thinking about it till you got here. Because before you got here, they wasn't bothering me. Now, you're laughing. But, I mean, we're having, we're having uh, major uh, encounters. I mean, and if we don't handle it right, we can go to bed not speaking. And I know, like you know, when your spouse get in bed, we know when they get in bed, the position they take on the mattress. Tells us what kind of night it's going to be. And when you first get married, I mean, you can have all kind of issues pressuring you to try to throw in the towel. And the devil will jump on you and try to make you feel like you are the only one having problems. Everybody you look at got problems. Is there any married folk in here? Every one of them got something they're dealing with. Every one of them. Because when you walk out of one issue, you have to deal with another one. And if you don't handle it correctly, you can create a crisis in your relationship. Man, is this, is this good? This, this is critical for you to understand. Now, remember in our former teachers, I trust every one of you will go and get the series and bless somebody with it. But you remember in Isaiah, in our former teaching, we talked about where, where Isaiah prophesied that in the last days, there would be seven women to one man. And we're, we're living that today. And that the day would come when the children would run the home. And we're living that today. You got parents scared of their kids. You know, going, parents going to get counseling. Talking about, you know, the kids are driving me crazy. I, I just can't, can't do nothing with them. So eventually, if you got a good counselor, the counselor will invite, will ask you to come in and bring the kids. If you got a good counselor, eventually they're going to talk to you as a parent along with the child. And when you bring the child in, they're not expecting you to bring a child in in a stroller. Come on now. You're bringing somebody in with a pacifier. Now, the counselor can't say nothing because they want their money. But on the inside, they're saying, are you serious? That you can't handle this two-year-old? You can't make this three-year-old sit down and be quiet? You can't make your 10-year-old Make them clean their bedroom. Well, 10 years old is too late. 
Boy, you see, see how people get quiet? When you go talk about children, they get quiet on you. But, but it was prophesied the day would come. We're living in it. Where kids are running the house. And some of you, uh, when I say some of you, I'm just talking to the people around the world who are listening. Some of your kids are, are, are if, if, if God doesn't move, I mean, we'll send you to an early grave. Because you can't do enough to satisfy him. And you, you're dedicating your whole life to try to satisfy them, and there's nothing you do can satisfy them. And some of them won't even say thank you. And they don't say thank you because you didn't teach them to say thank you. And if you've been around me long enough, if I give a child something and they don't say thank you, I don't give them nothing else. And if I give your child a gift, my wife's the same way. If I, if I take my money and go to the store and buy your child a gift for whatever reason, and you don't, you don't teach your child to send a letter or write a note or something to say thank you, I don't get them anything else. Because you're raising your child that's going to have an attitude of entitlement. And, and when they get grown, the world's going to kick them in the behind. And so it's easy to teach them to say thank you if you say thank you. Say amen to the truth. Even if you don't do it, say amen, it's still the truth. So in America, we're moving from a patriarchal uh, a family to a matriarchal family. We're in this country, we're moving, it's sad, but we're fastly moving to a, from a patriarchal household to a matriarchal household. And, I mean, we're moving there in, in a hurry. And so, some of you, you were raised in a, in a matriarchal family. That's why it's difficult when you get married. Because everybody in your family, the women run everything. A matriarchal family is run by a female. A patriarchal family is governed by a male. And there are some families... Everybody in the family, it's a woman controlling everything. And some of you grew up in an environment and you never witnessed a man controlling anything. Your mama bossed everything. And as a result, to get married and particularly to stay married, you have to fight that spirit. Or you wind up marrying a man you can control. Ooh, Jesus. Or you marry a man who was raised by his mama. So he doesn't have a real problem with you being in control. He's used to a woman telling him what to do.
and that's not God's order. And typically in that environment, you create a rebellious boy, and most of the time you make him weak. And the girls are strong. And they may be majorly out of order, but they're strong. Smart, but out of order. Educated, but out of order. It's getting quiet. And God, who was the architect and the author of family, he set it up as a patriarch. I'm going to deal with it in a minute. Is this helping anybody at all? So to change a society corporately, you have to change men individually. Jesus. That's why there's such a fight. Look at our society. I said it to you, think the last service. Everything is about empowering the female. And the culture is devaluing the male. That's why he struggles when he comes to church. Because most of the time, all he sees is females, and he sees a preacher up there with all the females serving him. That's why I got my own water. And I said to you, I don't need a cape. Are you, are you following me? That's why it's such a struggle. Because when they come, it looked like the women are serving that guy. Well, they're used to that in the streets. So when they come to church, they don't want to see the same thing. So I have men around me. And they have to be strong to stay close to me. And even if they're not strong, if they'll stay through the process, they'll get stronger. Because I won't baby them like their mother. Come here. His mother gave him to me years ago. He was a young, young, young guy. And I only talk about how he was then. You see him today? Come, Come walk up here so they can see you around the world. You see him today? That's from being around me and his mother allowing me to help raise him. Does he look weak? It wasn't always like that. But she placed him by my side and didn't pull him away. And that's who he is today. Thank you so much, Minister Orphy. And so when I hear people, most of the time when you hear a man say, pastor's hard, most of the time that male was raised by his mama. Most of the time when a male thinks I'm hard, he was raised predominantly by his mother. Or in a home with a father, but the father didn't exercise any authority. 
So he interprets masculinity and knowing who you are and being a man and being a man of God and being direct and know where you're going and willing to make a decision and stand and live with it. He interprets that as uh, abusive. He interprets strength. And it's intimidating. Because I don't sound like his mama. So he doesn't mind me saying what his mama said, but he want me to say it in the tone of his mama, and I can't do that. I don't know how to talk like that. I don't have that kind of volume. So when I speak, it grabs your soul. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. This is good stuff. So family is the basis of society. Say that with me. Family is the basis of society. Say it again. And family means father's house. Family is the basis of, and family means father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house. Jesus. You see why Satan is trying to replace fathers? Family means father's house. Why? Because in father's house, everything's provided. Man, if I can get to father's house, man, I'm, I'm safe. Family means father's house, and that's all it means, and it hasn't changed. Family does not mean mama's house. It's mama's house today because Satan's been working overtime to replace the father. Jesus said, I go to my father to prepare a place for that where I am, you may be what? Where is he? He's with the Father. Oh, Jesus. Is this helping anybody at all? Remember the principle that I shared with you that your master is whoever you choose to obey. This, this, this is... This is, this is critical. I, let, let me close with this. Go to Ezekiel. How much time? Oh, I got 54 seconds. Go, go to Ezekiel. Are you learning anything at all? Look at Ezekiel 28. 
I guarantee you I haven't heard the last mail for the rest of my ministry come to my face talking about pastors hard. You won't hear that no more. Mm-hmm. Just straighten up. Trying to put strength in you. Ezekiel 28. And wives, don't pull him out of here. I have to inject that too because some women don't want to let go of that control. And I just want you to know ahead of time, sisters, amen, I'm going to turn the heat up. But but when we get finished, you're going to have something. You're going to have somebody that will be able to stand and protect you and make you feel like God designed you to feel, and that's to feel protected and to be provided for. Amen. No man got any business going to sleep at night and there's no food in the house. You hear what I said? No man have no business going to bed snoring. And there's no food in the house and the lights is off. And his wife and his children don't have life insurance. Remember I said we don't date right? I guarantee you, none of you women, you're married now. Don't let something get me. Don't fall out. Don't get out in the parking lot and bring up something. Tear your marriage up. But I guarantee you, none of you ask him if, in the dating process, do you have life insurance? Why you date before you married? L- listen, I mean, we, we didn't got clothes. I agree with you, baby. But do you have life insurance? Come on, you get ready and trust him with your life. You're going to trust a man with your life that don't have life insurance? He don't have life insurance on himself? See, these things don't come up while you're dating. You know, you just, you know, holding hands and kissing and and, and sitting close to each other. He can't hardly drive. Look in the rear view mirror and your face is in the mirror. <laughs> Grace of God, y'all didn't have a wreck. Are you in Ezekiel 28? My time's gone. Verse 14, we've already done this. You were the anointed cherub. Notice that Satan was anointed. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't Satan, he was Lucifer. Because he was an anointed cherub. Yes? Notice, you were anointed cherub who covers. So men, hear, hear this, this is crucial, men, and ladies for you to understand. Why there's such a satanic attack against your man. And why he's endeavoring to make it so hard for, for a husband, for a man to find you to marry. And to the ladies of Harvest Church, don't you walk around here saying out of your mouth that there's a shortage of men. Because I'm not praying that. There is no shortage concerning you. There is no, you listen to me, I don't care what your age is. Mom Eccles, well she's Mom Clayton now, she called Dad Clayton. 
Come on now. Don't get away from people who try to make you feel like, you, you know, you done missed your season. Seasons change. Are you listening to me? And you might have missed it, but it's coming back. You, you don't like the weather right now? Just wait. Spring's coming. And I'm saying that the single ladies of Harvest Church, don't say there's a shortage because all I'm praying to God is to bless you with one. The right one. We don't need 50. Not for you. We don't need 100. We just need the right one for you. And if there's 3,000 in the room and there's only one man in the room, you're going to come out with him. That's what I'm praying. So I'm believing God for you. That God will bless you with a good man that love God, that when you marry him, he will elevate your life. And I'm trusting those of you who are spending time around my wife that she's giving you nuggets that you need to, to know and implement in your life to prepare for him. So, so when you're believing God for a husband, you don't go out and, 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 and get in debt. You're not serious about a husband and you got bad credit. Ooh, Jesus. Because we're talking about a good godly man. And a good godly man is not looking for a foolish woman. Walking around with a Louis Vuitton purse. It don't have anything in it. See, see how the sisters back off me? A good man, a smart man ain't looking for that kind of woman. All dude up, everything in place, looking like a model, and got bad credit. When you're serious, you get busy about it. You all know the story of my wife before she ever knew me. She was cleaning it up. And I didn't show up until she cleaned it up. By the time I came on the scene, she had one bill, and that was her car. And I paid that off when I married her. Then I sold it. You wait till we spend this time with these men. When you get one in here, you're going to get something. When, we get, when I get finished teaching what God has given me for the last couple of years to impart to just men, matter of fact, I'm going back to my men's conference. So we see in verse 14 that Satan or, or Lucifer, he was, an, he, was anoint, he, was a, he was an archangel. He was an anointed cherub and he covered. He was a covering. Are you listening to me? Satan was a covering. That's why he hates you, man. That's why he hates you. Because you replaced him as a covering. 
Now, you're a superior covering than Satan. When God sanctioned the man and created him in his own image and his likeness and made him a covering, he became a covering over everything. And he's the covering for the woman. You better hear me now. God made him a covering. That means Adam covered Eve's will. He covered her emotions. He covered her mistakes. He was her covering. He covered her intellect. He covered her physically. He covered her spiritually. God made Adam the covering. And he was such an offering covering that he could cover her even when she messed up. So when Eve messed up, God was expecting Adam to cover her. And if Adam would have dealt with his wife and dealt with Satan, he would have covered Eve and she would have been restored right back to that place that she had fallen. But when he ate of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, the tithe, he lost his ability to cover her. And it's the same with you, brother. You are a covering, I trust. But you're to cover her even when she makes a mistake. You cover her and you restore her. You pray over her mind. You pray over her emotions. You pray over her will, not witchcraft. Did you hear Minister Ben? She said, pray for me. So if she does wrong, it's my responsibility from God to cover her. That means if she makes a mistake, I don't join in with her. I fix it. And all of heaven backs me up to fix it. And that's all Adam had to do in the garden when Satan seduced his wife and caused her to go wrong. Adam could have fixed it. But because he didn't fix it, God had to send the last Adam. The first Adam didn't fix it because he ate, and the last Adam fixed it because he didn't eat. And I'm out of time. Put your hands together and thank God for the word tonight. Come on, you can do better today. That's a little weak. Is that because they didn't want me to stop? And so, ladies of God, you ought to thank God for your husband who saved and loves God. That means that your husband is not spiritually bankrupt. When Adam ate of the fruit, he became spiritually bankrupt. And what he was designed to do by God, he could not do because he committed high treason. 
And when God said, the day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. When Adam ate, he lost power. He lost power. And Jesus came back to restore us the power. And then he told him, I know you're saved. I know you're my disciples. I know you love me. But get your behinds up there in that upper room and wait for the promise. And I'm going to restore to you what Adam lost, God Almighty, in the garden. And when you get the power back, you'll be able to go out and be a witness for me. You'll be able to speak to demons and devils and cast them out. You'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover because you've been restored in your place of power and authority. And when the devil attacks your marriage, attacks your family, you have authority, Adam, to stand up and tell the devil to get his behind out. Take your hands off of my marriage. Take your hands off of my wife. Take your hands off of my son. Take your hands off of my daughter. Take your hands off of my finances. Take your hands off of my physical health. You have authority to declare the word of the Lord that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm on top and I'm not beneath. And whatever I put my hands to, it will prosper to the glory of Almighty God. And I'm out of time twice. Put your hands together and thank God for his word tonight. Come on, you can do better than that. And so I want to thank God he's restoring men in his house. And he's restoring us back to our rightful place so that our wives and our daughters and our sons will be safe. So that the house of God will function like God designed for the house of God to function. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.